some kind of change, either a coach or a GM or both. Matt Murray gives his first interview down in Belleville. Says he's a scapegoat. We'll talk about that too. All coming up here on the uh, Jim K. Ford Sands Nation podcast. Thank you for being with us. We hope you enjoy the show. My name is Steve Warren. I'm along with Greg Kennedy, the coach. How are things, Greg? Things are good, Stephen. I, I got a phone, a voicemail today from uh, an Ontario courthouse downtown there in Ottawa telling me that the December 7th jury selection that I'm supposed to be at has now been canceled and I don't need to worry about it. And if I, I'll, I'll get a summons for a future one if necessary. I didn't even get a summons for this one. So oh, I'm, no. I would have had a tough time. I'm glad they called because I would have had a tough time making it on December 7th for jury selection, for crying out loud. But jury duty, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, did they say what kind of case it was? <laughs> no, it was just some guy saying, hey, uh, you're the, the selection on the 7th has been canceled. So hmm. I guess the, the trial got settled beforehand or something. So so now I don't have to go. But <laughs> I didn't even know anything about it. There's probably a summons sitting in my mailbox in Ottawa, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a red flag about your current mail forwarding system. <laughs> so it might, it might be a few bills or something to get paid off. But uh, yeah, interesting. Um, well, we're going to do some judging today. We're going to be a little judge and jury, I guess, when we, and, and I guess that's the case in most shows, uh, kind of looking at the Ottawa Senators, what's going wrong with them right now. And we probably should start with the most recent hockey game as we're recording this here on December 2nd. There's a lot of games crammed in here. We can't possibly talk about every game as they happen, but the most recent one was that loss to the Vancouver Canucks. They fall 6-2. to two. The Canucks are not a very good hockey team right now. Like I said off the top, they are considering firing pretty much everybody Coach, GM, everybody's on uh, on the hot seat there right now. And they walked in there, and they looked like three-time Stanley Cup champions compared to the Senators. What were your impressions of the 6-2 loss to the Canucks? These won't cover. It's a tire fire. It's just, I don't I don't understand how you still can't have this down pat. Like, even if, if you get beat by a skill guy making a skill play, okay. But almost every goal can be traced to somebody screwing up in some way in the D zone in last night's game. And it just, it can't keep happening. Adam Gaudette, the newcomer, Exhibit A. It was nice he gets a goal in his first game. That will always ingratiate yourself to your new teammates. But man, he was directly responsible or one of the co-authors at the very least of the first two Canucks goals. He did not have a very good defensive performance. And uh, immediately I thought to myself, okay, well, this guy has high-end offensive skills from back in his NCAA days. A Hobie Baker winner, by the way. If you look at his numbers at Northeastern, fantastic. However, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a good two-way center, and he certainly didn't make a good impression on the defensive side of things, did he? No, I mean, the, the, the first goal, there's a, there's a guy wide open almost standing in the blue paint. Now, he could maybe argue that, hey, you know, that's a defenseman's job. That's pretty deep, pretty low down for, for a centerman to have to go. And, and he might have a bit of an argument, but still he was way too soft. He did realize that it was his guy and and was just too soft to get there. Now, what Zaitsev was doing, standing on the near post, facing the puck in the corner, wasn't even aware that the guy was there. There's an argument for for Godet, but still, that's that's your job. You've got to support down low there and pick that guy up. And he just he wasn't there. And when he was there, he was too soft. I felt the same way in terms of be playing soft, being out of position, getting burned, getting walked. The duel of Mete oh. and Zaitsev, like seriously, that cannot continue. We've talked in the past about the Josh Browns of the world 
going back to last year with uh, with like a Braden Coburn. But this right now is just an unholy pairing, a union that must be broken up. No? Yes. Uh, like it's it's Zaitsev. Like, I don't know what is wrong with this guy. He has been just god awful. Uh, horrific. No, what's what's the word? The, the AJ word. He's been whore awful, whore awful <laughs> all year. And I'm like, what is going on? Again, another. I just is there something wrong with him off ice? Is there something going on emotionally, mentally? Uh, I don't know. He's been just terrible. Mete has been pretty good. You know, not not terrible, not fantastic, but I just oh, well, even the the other the other goal that we that we sort of blame on Godet where he turns it over right in the middle of the slot with three guys on him. Um, Mete gave him the puck. Like, first of all, Godet is, he's skating south back into his own zone as we're trying to go north. That's a boo-boo number one. Like, open up, get on the wall, and get going north. But Mete passed it to him. Mete threw it to him while he's skating south, coming into the zone at the blue line. Uh, just a bad decision by Mete there. And I, and I wonder how much of it is Mete feels hurried when he's on the ice with Zaitsev. My God, I got to get it out of here. Otherwise, they're coming back and I've only got a half a partner over there. So he just wants to get it out as easily and quickly as he can. So it's just Mete's game is suffering. Yeah, I've never been deeply in love with Mete, but I did think that was a good acquisition off waivers late last season. And I've generally been okay with him. Again, I've never mis mistaken him for a Norris Trophy candidate. But, I mean, if, if that is the Victor Mete moving forward, um, that that can't continue. But I think you might be right. I think that's just a pairing that, that really cannot be allowed to stay together. I don't think Mete is that bad a defenseman, although eesh, he was walked a couple of times. I mean, how about that JT Miller game or goal at the end of the game? It wasn't just Mete getting walked there. He he was basically going in and I go one on three effectively and just danced through everything. And that's just, God, that's got to be discouraging if you're, well, anybody on that senator bench. Yeah, it, it, not only that one, Steve, the, the four on four goal was the same sort of thing. It was just sort it out, figure it out who's got who. It's a four on four. And they all just backed in, backed in, backed in, backed in, and and you gave up the blue line too easily. And then by the time the shot came, you were you were all in way too deep. But but back to your the, the Mete Zaitsev thing, like that, that's not even a good enough pairing to be a five six pair right now in the NHL. They're just, they're not strong enough, and that is the problem with this team. They've got far too many five and six, fifth and sixth defensemen, and nobody who's a who's a three four. So Mete suffers. Mete could play up in the lineup, I guess, if you had him with somebody good to insulate him, somebody bigger and stronger. But it's just you've got way too many guys who are in over their head playing minutes and in situations that their talent will not allow them to be successful. Philip Gustafson. Let's talk a little bit about his performance. Certainly, I think he has outplayed Matt Murray and Anton Forsberg this year, and I'm going to stick with that, even though I got some pushback last night from some people who said, well, I thought Gustafson was the answer. I thought he was going to be the savior. I never said Gustafson is going to be the savior. I, I maintained all along, since going back to last season, that he's their best option in goal right now, and I still believe that. I didn't, think, I didn't find great fault with too much of what I saw last night. There might have been one or two where they, they weren't that great, but... Um, I didn't see a, you know, a Matt Murray like performance. What were your impressions of Gus last night? Cause it looks like they're going to go with Forsberg against the Canes on Thursday. 
Yeah, I think the, the, he almost looked tired as the game wore on. I, I thought he looked uh, a little overwhelmed as the game went on. Maybe that's a strong word, but uh, he, he was not at his best late. Not that it mattered, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he has been the best of the three. And, you're, I mean, you're right. He, he's the one who should be getting the bulk of the work. And and it, I, I don't know if the team sees it that way, though, Steve. I wonder if they see more as, as Forsberg getting the bulk of the work. We've talked about play and you're in or, or sorry, win and you, and you stay in or, or at least play well and you stay in. Um, if, if you're going with that, if your, your, your step moving forward here is play well and you get to play again, then yeah, he shouldn't be playing again next game. That makes sense. But if it's more of a Forsberg's the guy, we're just going to spell Gus in here and there. I would strongly disagree with that. Yeah. I, 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 I'm hoping that Gustafson is still the guy. In my opinion, I hope he's still the guy that's still the number one. And this is just a case of just at a policy, and it's not a bad one, uh, that you don't want to start the same guy back-to-back where possible. I hope they go back on Saturday night to Gustafson, but we shall see. After the game, DJ Smith got himself in a little hot water with the fan base, which is already kind of upset with him to start with. I mean, here we are in year five. They're going to miss the playoffs here in the fifth straight year. And DJ Smith, this would be the completion coming up, well, over 60 games from now. But the, let's be honest, the playoffs aren't happening. Um, so they're upset with the fact that this team is now about to miss its fifth straight playoffs. And they seem to be, they might be worse right now than they have been at any time in these past five years. So that's discouraging. The fans are upset by that. And Claire Hanna, uh, the uh, new TSN reporter who covers the Sands, she put it out there. I guess somebody, I don't know if it was Claire or somebody else in the media, asked a specific question of DJ Smith after the game if he had a message to the fans in Ottawa during this losing skid. And by the way, the Sens went 1-10-1 in the month of November. Like, they've never had a worse November than that except for the expansion year when I think they won only 9 or 10 games the entire year. So that specific question was asked, and this was DJ Smith's answer. If you're a true fan, you're going to stay by your guys. It's easy to kick us while we're down, but we're going to keep fighting and give our effort every night. Tonight isn't the result we wanted, but we're going to battle hard and we'll get better. Lots of fans pushed back on that. Like, how dare you question whether I'm a true fan or not? Or question whether I have the right to criticize this team right now when they're in the shambles that they are. What was your reaction to that comment after the game? I think that if DJ uh, had a little more time to, to think about it, he would have worded his answer differently. I don't think he, he meant to call out the fans in any way, shape, or form. I think he, he was just saying, hey, like, our true fans are, will, will be with us. They understand what's going on, and, and, and they're on board. And, you know, we're working hard. We're going to work through it. You know, a lot of cliches in there. But I, I, it was probably slightly taken out of – well, you can't even say it was taken out of context because it was it – was, we got the full quote, didn't we? So, so yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's questioning the fans uh, in any way. I, what was your thought? Totally agree. I think that it probably he'd like to walk it back. I think he'd like to reword it. I actually think he was probably trying to buck up the fans, but sometimes these things when you're not working with the script and you're asked a question point blank that you weren't even prepared for and you try and say the right thing, things come out wrong. I mean, I, I've been making my life or my living behind a mic for mm -hmm. 30 years now, and I can tell you at least – five or six times a year something comes out of my word hole where when i'm completed i go well whoa, 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 let me just rephrase Oops. that because that that is not what i meant to say and so 
this is a frustrated guy that's under a lot of pressure right now. So right now, when you're talking about DJ Smith or the Ottawa Senators, surely you have bigger things to worry about than a quote like that. But I think you're right about it being out of context. Because when you're on social media, in this case, Twitter, you consume the one tweet. And it almost, in your mind, it, you perceive it when you read the tweet and that comment on its, onto its own by itself. It almost looks like DJ Smith says, you know, stepped up after the game and got on his soapbox and says, before you answer any questions or ask me any questions, I've got something to say to the fan base. Yeah, and, and you're not a true fan. That's how it kind of reads. And then you read on later, she follows up that, well, this was an answer to a specific question. And so I think it gets taken a little out of context from that perspective. That and I, I don't think DJ Smith meant anything by it, truly. No. I've, I've got a bigger question, though. Okay. This is a team in turmoil, uh, on the ice at least. <laughs> um, why is DJ Smith the only one who we've heard from? He's the only one. He steps up to the mic every day. He's got things to say. He answers questions. He faces the media every single day. Where is the general manager? Or where is the, sorry, I can't remember his title, but glorified vice president, assistant to director of player personnel, whatever he's called, who was quoted in his original press conference. I'm talking about Pierre Maguire here. He was quoted in his original press conference as saying, uh, when they asked him about media availabilities, he said, well, yeah, I've been doing it for 25 years. I'm sure there will be more of that uh, in my in my sort of bailiwick here with this new job. Like, where are these two guys? Even where is Melnick in all of this? Like, nobody else is facing the media every day. This poor guy, I, we don't need to feel sorry for him, I guess, but, you know, he's the one who's facing the media every single day and nobody else is saying a word. And that, to me, is, uh, I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah, and I don't know, if, is it the coach's job to get into marketing and, and customer relations? Because that's effectively what the question is. And the media can ask whatever they want. The coach can do whatever they want with the question. But yeah, that would seem, these bigger picture questions would seem better directed, particularly at either Dorian or Melnick, you know, kind of the guys at the head of the food chain that are you know either paying all the bills or uh, at the end of the day making all the decisions. And I don't know that I'd, need to hear from them that badly maybe one time is like give us a sense of where this thing is heading what's your plan what's up your sleeve how are you going to fix this that kind of accountability i would like right about now but i don't need to hear from them on a weekly basis or anything like that oh, no. but at this stage in time it's uh, enough time has gone by and this streak has gone on or slump has gone on long enough where somebody should step up and give us the old rah rah root root here's what's happened here's how we're going to try and fix it and right now that's DJ Smith's been left to his own devices on that front. And, and, and who knows if conversations are even happening. Um, communication has never been this organization's strong suit. Smith gets asked a question like that. And, I, and I'm sure there hasn't been any strategizing going on. And there probably no. should be. These questions are going to be coming fast and furious now over these next many weeks. Because there's, there's nothing else to talk about other than how are you going to fix this? What's your message to the fans? And questions like it. Yeah, like, or just step up and show some support. Say say something like you support the coach, or say something like, like even if he came out with a litany of excuses, just say something. Get in front of a camera, or do your do your shot with uh, McCowan out of Toronto, or or Dorian <laughs> go on with the guys at TSN, or you know McGuire go on with the guys at on the radio station. Somebody other than DJ 
just come out and say something. Like st- it, it almost, it's getting to the point now where it looks like you're hiding. And then you hear that, that Pierre Dorian hasn't even spoken to Matt Murray. Like, wh- what's going on? Like, are they out of town on some fancy scouting trip? Are they over in Europe trying to find a, the uh, the top six center and the uh, top four D somewhere? What's 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 going on, boys? Let's let's hear from you. Draw sort of a game for me, and I put it out there. If I'm running the Senators right now, I'm at least making a coaching change, at least. And yeah. I don't want inexperience. I don't want inexpensive, and probably the guy that I would be targeting. I have no idea if he want to come here based on the state of the team and the reputation right now. But I would try and pay Claude Julien market value, and uh, you know I know he doesn't walk on water, which is basically what. Melnick needs to pay the kind of top dollar that uh, or invest in the in the in the coach the way he probably should uh, but he's experienced Julian I'm talking about he's local he's a cup winner and right now he's about to coach team Canada at the Spengler Cup I don't think that guy's going to be in between jobs for very much longer so it's kind of a unique opportunity here right now to get yourself a prove, proven veteran coach because to me that's what they need that's what they've they've either gone inexperienced or inexpensive, pretty much from the day that Jacques Martin got fired. Or or there's the name I floated out last week. Jacques Martin is unemployed looking for work. What's wrong with him? Or bring both of them in. Bring in Claude Julien as your head coach. Have Jacques come in and work with a D as he did in Pittsburgh, as he did with the Rangers. Um, yeah, I agree totally. I'm sick and tired of... In, of bad resumes, of weaker resumes, of short resumes, of like two paragraph resumes from coaches. Bring some guy in with some serious experience, with not only from a what what his experience being able to impart that on the players, but also it it impresses the players. Some guy comes in with a resume like that, it's like whoa, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. Or there's automatic credibility, there's instant respect, there's a whole new attitude amongst the players. Uh, in how they receive the message from the guy. I'm not saying that there's players questioning what DJ says, but you know what? There's probably some players questioning what DJ says because he's DJ Smith. He's only been around. A, not even is it is he finally up to 80 games? Like you know, you're 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 going to have guys wondering, questioning, thinking about things. Whereas if it's a guy with like if John Tortorella came in that room, nobody's saying, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I don't know about that. You know, you're going to do what you're told. You're going to do what he says. And there would be repercussions. Yeah. DJ is beyond 150 games coached in the NHL, by the no, way. I, I know. Sorry. I was yeah. I was teasing. OK, so but he I mean, the, right now he he has seniority as an NHL head coach. Now, it doesn't seem like that should be the case, but I think there's only 12 NHL coaches right now who have more seniority in the job they're in than DJ Smith does, meaning a lot of guys have been fired and hired in that in that time. And I think f- for me right now, DJ Smith, he has a, a roster, and I know they've had issues. They've had some injuries, although if you look at their injury list right now, it's not that dramatic. Every team in the league is dealing with, I mean, I bet you half the league is dealing with injuries as bad or worse than the Sens have right now. I, I count Colin White, who's a third or fourth line center, uh, Josh Brown, and of course, Shane Pinto, who's played, you know, a, a really just a handful of games in the NHL. That's not bad. 
for 20 games into an NHL season. And I know they had a COVID thing, but to come out, COVID should almost be in the rearview mirror. Uh, and, and last night, that team just almost looked like they were sick of playing hockey. Um, and, and to me, the roster he had, DJ Smith, in year one was super inferior to the one he has now. The three seasons he's coached, this has been the best roster, and they look worse right now than at any point in DJ Smith's career. So then I look at the systems and D-zone coverage where guys don't seem to know what to do. They don't have much of a cycle or any kind of strategy in the offensive zone, as far as I can see. Um, I, I just I feel like this is a no-brainer. This feels like a, a very clear decision and path to me. We can get into management too if you want, but that's the number one thing I would do right now because I don't. This team's got got some good pieces to it right now, and it shouldn't be this horrible. It, it feels like it should be taking a step forward, not the step back it currently is. And I feel like that would be the number one thing I would do would be coaching, make a change. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you. There's it's the the lack of structure. There's only so long we can keep talking about it. Yeah, and keep waiting for a solution. And even if you admit or are willing to accept that, yeah, we don't maybe don't have as much talent as is required to to compete every night and win. You do have enough talent to compete every night and have some structure. You do have enough talent to execute a basic system. It takes nothing but a brain and a little bit of heart, some guts, some intensity. It takes intangibles to play in your own zone, far more so than skill. So those things just aren't there. Yeah. You've still got guys looking around, walking around like no clue what they're doing. And that, unfortunately, that falls on the coach. That the, and the special teams. I mean, coaching comes down to D-zone coverage and special teams. Yeah, and evaluation is part of the process as well. Like, who's NHL ready? Who's going to contribute at the NHL level? I mentioned a moment ago, I believe this team has good pieces, but I also mean that from a full organizational standpoint. I feel like there's guys in Belleville that could upgrade this team right now. You know, take away the contracts. Just put it away. Uh, I know it's expensive, and I know I'm dealing with somebody else's money, but come on. Like, I thought Hetherington came up and looked pretty solid. That's all I wanted my defense. If you can't be out there being Thomas Shabbat, you know, be where you need to be in D-zone coverage. Be a little physical out there. I thought Hetherington looked pretty good in the game or two that he played, for example. Start experimenting. Bernard Docker, get him up here. Aspero, get him up here. Because surely... In this whole mix, if you're a good evaluator as a coach and establishing who's NHL ready and who's not, that's going to make your team a whole lot better. And right now, I really question whether DJ Smith has a good eye for who's truly NHL ready and who is truly not. Yeah, I well, <laughs> I agree there are there are possible solutions in the minors, but that's really that's not his decision, unfortunately, I guess, unless he can demand it and say, look, this guy can't play. This guy can't play. We need this guy. That's a, that's an organizational problem, right? That's uh, you've got to go to Pierre and Pierre to get, to get anybody called up and replace anybody in your current roster. Uh, I like your idea though. Who cares about salaries? Just put the best 20 guys on the ice for every game. But I just, you, you, you can't do it. it. It That's not really the coach's purview. He's not the one who's allowed to do that. What he is allowed to do, though, is dole out minutes and shifts and situations and line matchups and everything with the talent that's, that he's got. Like, it's it's uh, it's play the hand you're dealt. This is the hand you've been dealt, Deej. What are you going to do with it? And in that sense, there's been a failure there, right? Like, even if he could bring guys up and down, he still has to be able to put them in the right places at the right times to be able to succeed. 
And that's been a failure too. Like who plays with who, who plays in what situation, who plays how many minutes a night is, is screwed up too. I agree with you in general. I think that's definitely the way it goes. But I think about coming out of training camp, the coach has a huge say on who's making this team and who's not. And then they go down to the minors and then, and then they go from there. I don't think it's all on the GM when I mean, the coach has a massive say on the final roster after opening nights. And they, and they came out of camp this year and, and Thompson wasn't on their radar. Start a camp last year. Artem Zub was one of their best defensemen. He was on the taxi squad. They didn't send him down, but he was on the taxi squad for the first two weeks of the season. Um, I just, I, I, I question whether DJ Smith can really establish that. And you're right. It's generally general manager options, but this, this guy has a massive say. This guy has Pierre Dorian's ear. Otherwise, you wouldn't see guys like Josh Brown on this team, for example, or, or Scott Sabarin. Or, um, these are guys that are clearly DJ yeah. guys, and I think Pierre Dorian respects a great deal what DJ Smith has to say. Anyway, those are some of the reasons, though, that I feel like it's time for a change, and it's tough, though, because the guy just got an extension. He's under contract for the next three years, including this one. So, And then an option after that, not likely to be picked up the way things are going right now. Anyway, um, got some feedback on. Oh, do you want to sorry follow up? We quick? both feel we both feel that it would be the thing to do, but let's be perfectly clear: we both know it's not going to happen, <laughs> don't we? Can you pretty much say with certainty that they're not going to fire him? Um, yes, probably. My only <laughs> yeah, my only I glimmer mean, of hope is that I was really skeptical two years ago as to whether DJ Smith and this rebuild or not DJ Smith, Eugene Melnick would spend what he needs to spend on some of the core guys. And he's generally done it. Um, yeah. So Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, Drake Bathis, and the usual suspects, Colin White, uh, Matt Murray. He, he's been asked to spend big money and big term and he's done it. It would be a change in philosophy for him to understand that I need to really invest seriously in coaching because it clearly matters. Exhibit A, the Calgary Flames. Here, let me play this clip for you, by the way. This is Daryl Sutter okay. talking yesterday. Somebody asked him a question in the media, and Daryl Sutter rarely is interesting in a news conference. But when you think about rookie head coach Jeff Ward running the Calgary Flames last year, and these same Ottawa Senators pretty much having their way with the Flames most of last year with that North Division thing, there's a rookie yeah. head coach in Ward. They change it up and go to a veteran guy who's won a Stanley Cup before, and what a difference. The Flames are night and day this year with almost the same roster. So this is what Daryl Sutter had to say yesterday in a news conference. Really simple. I mean, we're trying to, re we're trying to get the respect back in the league and the identity back because it was – I watched this team. I've said this. I, I watched this team TV enough. Right? They had to change the way they played. And when I came here, it was it's truth. They, they were too slow of a team. The way the, league, the way the league had changed, they played too slow. It wasn't how fast the players skated. It was just how they didn't want to play, with, play at the pace that's necessary the way the league is, especially out here. It's, I mean, the best teams are still Edmonton and Las Vegas. And there's a good reason. They're big, fast teams. So it's not based on one player. It's based on how your team has to play. And it's still, we're still working with that. We have guys here that, hey, I gotta, gotta get them up to that. And they tail off or they don't play or they don't play as much. That's why it's got, I can live with mistakes and everything. 
discipline, but you've got to play a certain way to be successful in this league, and it bears fruit all the time. Okay, so there's Daryl Sutter. Not the most dynamic speaker in the world, but clearly a guy who knows how a team needs to play to be successful and establishing an identity from a coaching perspective. Can you talk a little bit about that, about the importance of an identity for a team? Well, very important. And, you know, that was the one thing that we liked and we talked about a lot last year was that eventually there was an identity to this team and that, that DJ had had hammered home. And that was the partially the reason for their success down the stretch in the last 12 games last year was that they established themselves as a hardworking, you know, the, all the stereotypes, get pucks deep, forecheck hard, come home hard. Um, really, the defensive zone liabilities kind of disappeared because they started spending more time on the on the forecheck. They spent more time at the other end of the ice, and, and they were just a hardworking, lunch pail, hard hat kind of crew. And that seems to have disappeared this year. Um, is that because of the emergence of, of a Batherson and uh, more minutes to Stutzla, more of the offensive flash and dash guys getting more ice time? Um, maybe, you know, the, the, there's less and less reliance on the dump and chase game. There's a lot less reliance on the hardworking get pucks deep game. And because of that, they, they look different, but they also spend far too much time in their own zone again. I, zone time is, is terrible this year compared to late last year. But yes, I agree totally. Some type of team identity is necessary. And maybe it's a, it's not necessarily a new identity required here, but it's a re-emphasis on what the identity is, is what's required. It's tough to find that balance in a coach. I think John Cooper is a great balanced coach. He's tactical, but he's also personable. He doesn't wear it as welcome quickly like the Daryl Sutters of the world tend to. Like with Daryl Sutter and DJ Smith, you almost have a perfect coach there because DJ Smith, I think his likability factor is high, good personality. He's inspirational, kind of a rah, rah, let's go boys. And that, that kind of speaking in mottos and, 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 and cheering. And then you got the tactical side of things um, and the commitment to defense. And I just feel like, both guy possesses what the other lacks. That's right. Daryl Sutter, he's on a nice run right now. Uh, but I feel like, you know, that shelf life for guys like him, guys like Guy Boucher, guys like Jacques Martin, eventually all the skill guys being asked to be defensive first, defensive first, defensive first, that will wear it as well. It's welcome after a while, whether it's personality or the system that they've chosen. Would you agree with that or not? Well, it can, and it, it, it depends, okay? Like, a large part of coaching is a sales job. Yes. You've got to sell a game plan to your players. You've got to sell a system to your players. So a large chunk of it is the sales plan. But then the other side of the sales plan is, what's the buy-in? And I don't know where the what exactly where the ball's been dropped here. Is it the messaging and the plan, the sales job, which includes teaching, uh, as part of it, obviously, is that the failure or is the failure on the other side is the failure on the players not buying in and not buying in is, is shows in their actions on the ice, their inability to execute partially is due to the fact that some just don't buy in because a full buy-in you're committed and it's obvious and you're doing what's required of you when you're not it's, it's, we talk about willing and able. If you are willing but not able, then we need to teach you. If you are able, but not willing, then we need to motivate you. 
if you are not willing and not able, then we need to get you the f- out of town. Goodbye. <laughs> see you later. If you are willing and able, we love you and we give you the C and your name's Brady Kachuk. So that's there's there's players that are willing but not able. There's players that are able but not willing, and the wrong they're not they're either not getting the right message or the right message isn't being delivered. We don't know which it is here yet, yeah. right? And we may never know. That's part of the issue of the inexperienced coach in the NHL. I feel like the accountability factor that might be there from a veteran coach who's seen all the wars and he's seen every circumstance and he's won and he's lost, he's been fired, he's been hired. Someone like a Claude Julien or a Jacques Martin, like we talk about. Um, I feel like an inexperienced coach is a little shy with his accountability. Um, Whereas the veteran coach, if you're not doing the job, you're going to sit for a while, like Daryl Sutter talked about in that clip. Would you agree that a coach with less confidence, kind of less uh, less miles behind him in the NHL, might be more hesitant to sit guys down or make guys accountable in some fashion? It's it's definitely possible. But the other problem that factors in there is talent level. Like if you've got a roster that is not good enough, you you lose the hammer of trying to send a message to a better player because you still need them. Right. Like I still need that guy in a power play. That's the only guy who might be able to produce some offense for us. I still need this guy in my roster. I still got to give Josh Norris, you know, 16 minutes a night. Even if he's screwing up my own zone, that's now there's the bugaboo. Oh geez. Now what do I do? I need to sit him for that. But then it, the rest of the team suffers the degree of suffering that the rest of the team has to take for you benching somebody good who's screwing up is is just huge on a team like this. If it's all if it's all a good, everybody's a good player. Like like when you hear about superstars got benched for the whole third period last night. Like even a Sutter, he sits Monahan for twelve minutes one night. Well, he can get away with that because the rest of the team is pretty good. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's difficult to to balance. It's a balancing act of who you're going to sit. Okay, if I sit Josh Norris. Does that mean that Dylan Gambrell is now my number one center? You know, like, what are you going to do? It's tough. Yeah, it for sure is. No question about that. And uh, there's no guarantee that a new coach might come in here and uh, make things better. It feels like there's a lot of things going on right now that are wrong. And as we've been saying for, I don't know, feels like longer than five years. It all kind of starts from the top and trickles down. It's And it's not, it's not rocket science either. It's like you invest in every level of the pyramid power on the way down. If you're an owner, invest in a great president and CEO. And then that guy will, in turn, will invest in an excellent GM and a director of hockey operations. And those two guys, because they're good, they'll invest in an amazing pro and uh, amateur scouting staff, and they'll make a great hire at head coach. And, And just, it all trickles down from the top. We've been saying that for a very long time, but I don't want to dwell too much in this. I want to wrap this up. And that was our DunRobinDistilleries.com web poll. I put it out there once again mm-hmm. about the Sens making a coaching change, maybe a Claude Julien or a Jacques Martin. and got people's feedback on that. Bill McDonald writes, that would be good, but there are huge gaps in this squad right now. At least two defensemen who are barely NHL caliber, a bottom six that has little to no offensive threat, and I don't think the impact of missing Shane Pinto can be overstated enough. Um, any any thought on that one, by the way? I agree, but he 
he's the lucky one here, right? He, he's the one who's not playing, and yet his stock is rising. <laughs> yeah. Right? Everybody's talking about like, uh, There's a lot of pressure on that poor kid when he comes back. Like, they've all exalted him as, oh, wow, it's going to turn everything around. He's, he's the solution. Well, that's a lot of pressure. They sure win a lot with him in the lineup. Uh, it's a small sample size, but it's crazy that yeah. everybody else is around him is you know, absorbing this nightly beating. But Shane Pinto and the record the Sens have when he's in the lineup, it's, it's uncanny. Have a look at it. Norm Devine writes, they've always gone cheap on coaching. Look how the Islanders turned it around when they hired Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz. That's a great point. Uh, Kachuk Norris writes, I actually think Troy Mann, although inexperienced at the NHL level, would make a hell of a coach. He really seems to get the most out of his guys. I like Troy Mann a lot, but I'm done with the inexperienced and the guys who've never mm -hmm. done it before in the NHL. Like, experience matters, does it not? Of course. And, and, and how do you know that this guy is going to be good? Like, with all due respect to the, to the, uh, to the writer here, um, you don't know anything. None of us know anything. Uh, but when it comes to an experienced guy, we at least have a resume to look at. Yeah. A guy who's never coached in the league, like, okay, yeah, he's doing a pretty good job down there. He's, he's a nice guy. Players play for him, yada, yada. But we have no idea, no clue. There's no basis in fact. There's no statistical nothing that will show what he can do in the NHL because he's never been there. Right. Agree completely. Sens Army writes, if you think that Claude Julien, for example, has options, why would he bother working for Eugene Melnick? I certainly wouldn't hate the idea. I just don't see how he would choose this organization. And finally, Dwight... Because there's only 32 jobs and he wants one. I would agree. I, I, I don't know where Claude Julien is in the pecking order. I think in the offseason there'll be some interest, maybe some later in the season firings. He might come up as a possibility there. It just... At this point in time, it would seem like a fairly good fit. It wasn't like, um, you know, the Montreal Canadiens were disastrous. And it's never always all on the coach. And it's not all on DJ Smith here either. There are other problems at play here. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just think Claude Julien is a, is a clear upgrade. I know he, he's done it before and probably at age he's 61, probably can t still do it again. And he clearly had the fire still burns. If you're going over to coach Team Canada yeah. at the Spengler Cup, you still want to get back in the NHL. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yep, for sure. Uh, last one is to Dwight Brown. Claude's a good hire or would be a good hire. I would take an emergency triage of Jacques Martin right now. This isn't all on DJ, but unfortunately, he is done. Thanks to everybody, and there was tons more than that as far as feedback goes on my Twitter account and the Dunrobin Distilleries web poll. Thank you for all the replies. And I'm going to pour you a drink now, if I may. Got a nice Canadian please rye whiskey now that the festive season is upon us. Uh, please drink responsibly. Tell you what, if your holiday office party is online this year, Dunrobin Distilleries is here to help with their popular virtual tastings. First, Dunrobin's tasting packages are home delivered to every member of your staff. Then at the party, your team can enjoy some exciting new cocktail recipes together. Featuring Dunrobin's Earl Grey Gin, Artisanal Gin, Vodka and Whiskey, whether it's an office party or friends and family, contact Dunrobin today and raise a toast to the holidays in style. DunrobinDistilleries.com, available at the LCBO. Where will your holiday spirit take you? And that's probably a pretty good idea, right, Greg? I mean, if you're having one of those online parties, surely to God you're looking for something fun to do together, and that's kind of a nice angle to get one of those tasting packages. Yeah, it sounds cool. You do, do do you have the party via Zoom kind of thing? Is yeah. that, what, that the idea? That's yeah, not unlike what we're doing right now via remote. You're exactly. in Exactly. Yeah. 
So we've uh, you know, pouring a poor little Dunrobin distilleries right now from a virtual standpoint. And uh, yeah, uh, happy holidays, everybody. Um, the Matt Murray news conference it wasn't a news conference. It was basically Ian Mendez and a few members in in Belleville. <laughs> um, I don't know if you had a chance to hear this, but uh, Matt Murray uh, had at an interview his first day in Belleville, and this is what he had to say about his situation. Yeah, d doing well. Um, you know, I'm thankful that it's close enough where I can drive home. You know, most practice days, um, it's only about 100 miles, so. I can get home in a couple hours and, and see the family on uh, on most days. So, um, you know, that's a huge help. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, just here to make the most out of it. Uh, can you maybe walk us through how uh, everything played out last week and, and kind of how you were told uh, you were being placed on waivers? Yeah, so um, it was just after the game in uh, Anaheim, and uh, I hadn't dressed that game. They just called me in and said, said the, they were going to put me on waivers with, uh, you know, the intention to send me to Belleville. And, um, you know, they said said it was a management decision. Um, that's about all I got. Um, so, yeah, I'm down here, and uh, I'm going to try to make the most out of, my, uh, out of my time here. Do you feel like you're the scapegoat or being blamed uh, at this particular juncture? Uh, I do, yeah. Um, I also think that's part of what you sign up for as a goalie. I think that comes with the territory. Um, I think, you know, I obviously haven't been good enough to win. Um, don't think I've been bad, but uh, have, I haven't been good enough to win. That's what it's about at, this, at the NHL level. Um, so, like I said, it is what it is. All right, so there's Matt Murray and a bit of his news conference. A lot of questions there from Ian Mendez. Some of them uh, a little on the awkward side to uh, ask Matt Murray at that stage when he's just gotten to Belleville, he's just been put on waivers, cleared through the whole league, and ask him if he feels like he's being scapegoated. Got to respect him for giving a candid, honest answer. I don't know if it's in his best interest to say that he feels like he was a scapegoat, um, but uh, what did you think of him having, you know, having said that? Well, I, I, I didn't really, that to me was, really wasn't big. I was more, I thought the bigger point was when he said that, you know, I, I haven't been good enough. You know, I haven't, I haven't necessarily been terrible, but I have not been good enough. And, and, and you're the goaltender and you're responsible for a certain percentage of the, of the wins factor into you're the goaltender. We don't win. You're going to take a certain percentage of the blame. And he hasn't been good enough. I thought that was really big of him to admit that. I think the scapegoat thing was just, he did think about it for a second or two before he replied. He just said, when, when he just kind of said, well, yeah, you know, it's like it never entered his mind before, mm -hmm. but I, I, I didn't, I, I doubt if you'd never said that word, like if you'd said to him, you know, do you feel like something here? Do you feel like, he, I don't know that he ever would have volunteered the word himself. Does that make sense? You know, I, I think he just kind of answered the question with a, well, yeah, maybe I am. He basically came, he came out and said that he was a little confused because Ian asked him and, and we didn't play the whole news. That's time. bigger. Yeah. Well, he said a bunch of things like that. He said he hasn't been good enough to win games, but I think he feels like he's plenty good enough. He said on the plane, um, when Ian asked him about how he felt on the plane, he's like, a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion. Yeah. And then he said, doesn't feel like he's been bad. And he, uh, he, he so I, I don't, I mean, I, I think almost the opposite, that he feels like this is a bad rap and that he's not really the issue here. And there may be something to that. I certainly don't think it's all on Matt Murray. I certainly don't think he's been the worst goalie I've ever seen. 
but he he just is you know he's had too many games where he's sketchy and and fighting the puck. He's not good enough. Precisely, yeah. And it, but he doesn't he doesn't seem to be taking necessarily um, accountability for his own individual game. He's he's admitting to the fact, okay, I've not played well enough. I've he played six games and they didn't win any of them. So I think he's copping to that. But at the same time, I, I don't feel like he feels he's been playing that badly that he should be in the minors. Yeah, I guess you maybe, you know, you, again, here we are trying to interpret people's words, yeah. right? It's always, you know, the, the biggest problem with most uh, with most misunderstandings is I interpret what you say totally different than your intention, right? It's always interpretation versus intention. And, and uh, you're probably right. There's a, there's, there's a degree of confidence to him that would come out that would that would never allow him to say, you know, I've been terrible. Instead, he says, you know, I didn't win games or I haven't been good enough. But uh, yes, has the team in front of him been been poor? Yes. But his individual statistics uh, are just as bad as the team defensive statistics with just those. Uh, just look at the skaters stats. They're just as bad as just the straight goalie stats. And then you've got the biggest thing of all is we've had three of you goalies this year and the other two are both been better than you with the same team in front of them. So, yeah, you have not been good enough. You don't have a win. Um, yeah, he had some bright moments here and there where you looked okay. And, and yeah, he got screwed over with the injury. You know, he had the cold or the flu to begin with. Mm -hmm. Then he got the, the knee to the head. Then he had the COVID thing. So, okay, there's then fine. You're now 100%. Then you should tear it up in Belleville and be back here in two weeks, shouldn't you? In theory, yeah. And yeah that, that, so let's see it. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny that he doesn't get the start right away. Uh, some people yeah. raised an eyebrow about okay, you just you just we are, you were able to start here in Ottawa, but then you weren't able to start against Utica, which has been basically the AHL's version of the Harlem Globetrotters early on. Um, but a lot of people were curious about that, kind of scratching their heads. Why would he wait until? Or why would the team have him wait until Saturday to get in there? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that that decision was deferred to him. I, I would think that. Uh, the coaching staff and would have said to him like how do you feel he's got to be in a good mental state and mm -hmm. I, i'm okay with that i can understand that you just got here there's probably some shell shock you know like let's get you perfectly ready to go and when you're 100 percent and start on the weekend it's often said excuses are for losers but there are also explanations for things and, and you reeled off a bunch of the quote-unquote excuses like He's able to, and, and, and he was, he's had, he's been struggling going back to his days in Pittsburgh. He struggled last year mm -hmm. and, and out of the gate, he only got six opportunities, six games this year to turn things around. And he had sickness to start the year, kicked in the head. He had COVID and a bad version of it, by the way, Darren Dreger said this week that it was not a symptom free deal. This guy had some serious symptoms, lost a bunch of weight from the thing. Didn't get to work yeah. out at any point while he was in quarantine as well. And then he comes back and gets one game. Uh, and you know he's probably still not a hundred percent at that stage, and they sent him down to the minors. Um, I'm not saying that this is a great injustice, but it's almost unreasonable to ask somebody to turn their game around in a season like this, where everything has gone so so wrong for Matt Murray. But I'm still saying, okay, if now you're a hundred percent and you are a quality NHL goaltender as you think you are, yes. then you're in Belleville. You should be tearing it up over the course of the next two weekends and, and everybody's going to go, Oh my God, look, he's okay. Let's get him back here. Right. Like I just, if, if all those excuses are now gone, they're in the past, 
You're 100% healthy. Go show us what you got. I would agree completely with that, and that's a good place to call it quits. Uh, don't forget that our website is sensnationhockey.com. We've got lots of great articles up there. All the writers have been inspired here in the last couple of weeks uh, to, to jump in on things. And so, uh, yeah, lots of fun on there. Uh, you can find the podcast and all kinds of cool things as well. And our Patreon membership as well, sensnationhockey.com. Uh, we'll take our leave. What's up for the next couple of weeks uh, for the mighty Slave Lake Ice Dog? <laughs> we got Pracky today. We're in Fox Creek Friday night. We're home uh, Saturday night. So, yeah, I, 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 but I could be home tonight to see the game, right? They play tonight? Good. I'll be able to see the game tonight. But other than that, they, they, winter is coming. How's things there? What are you up to? How are the Packers? What are the, what's going on there? Well, for starters, it's the darkest, grayest day ever. I got up at about 8. Oh, okay. I thought it was, about, it was about 8, 10 when I woke up this morning, and I thought it was 5 a.m. how dark it was outside, and it stayed dark. It's <laughs> okay. gray and dark, standard stuff. My Packers, on the other hand, look fantastic. Um, yeah. They're as good as a bet as any for the uh, the Super Bowl this year, but uh, I'll knock on wood when I say that. I'm pleased with how I, I, I things are going. I meant to throw my foot up on the desk here in front of the camera Dude. one day to, during one of our <laughs> chats, but I haven't done it yet. There's no way you're that flexible. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Emma, uh, enjoy, right, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, pal. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share this show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at sensnationhockey.com.